Perhaps I don't have to really introduce Uda to any of you, but I want to say how happy we are, all of us from Savitri Bhavan, how very happy we are that you could come, that you agreed to come and be with us in what I think is the month of your 92nd birthday, if I'm right. Well, uh, 26th. 26th of April. So we are in the right month I, at I least. I am 90, I can breathe 92. So 93rd birthday by mm. European count. Yes. Yes. And um, uh, when Oda came to hear that Kiritbai Joshi will be in Auroville today, he asked us to convey to him that he would be here. And uh, Kirit was very happy to hear it. Mm. And he's planning to drop by just for five minutes at, at 10.30. So he uh, said we should all be prepared for that and not be disturbed. <laughs> so please, Uda, okay. chair is yours. Are you comfortable? Is the very, fan I'm all very, right? Very, very comfortable, very happy. I'm full of joy, full of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> full of bounds, you know. Well, I've been in this ashram for 62 years, you know, so I'm an old soul. Nothing new about it. But I'll go back to the very early days of the ashram, even before I heard the name of Savitri. Mother used to give me a rose every morning. She used to put a rose in my button, but I still have it. One day, in addition to the rose, she gave me a white flower, a small white flower. I took it without asking why. The second day again, she gave me the white flower again, I took it without asking why. On the third day, she said, don't you want to know why I'm giving you <laughs> I said, mother, when you give me something, I take it. I don't know what's the reason, but anyway. She said, the meaning of this flower is gift of expression. And one day you will know why I give this to you. So if I'm able to recite Savitri, it's purely a gift of the mother. It's nothing to do with me. I'm not a poet. I'm not a classical scholar. I'm an engineer. I'm more comfortable with a plier, a screwdriver and hammer, but not with poetry. But mother made, gave me the gift, so I have to use it. And that's the beginning. And then after my last mother gave me the opportunity of working in Surabhinder's room. All the furniture made in Surabhinder's room, mother asked me to make that furniture. And after all the furniture was made, she took me and she said, now Udar, she told Surabhinder, Udar, look after the furniture. He said, all right. So I was allowed to go and work there. And I used to go mostly of the time when Surabhinder was dictating Savitri to Nehru Balan. I was a listener there. Of course, I didn't know anything about Savitri, but it was very beautiful to hear Surabhinder's voice. He has a beautiful voice, a typical English accent, and uh, what I would call a Cambridge accent, and a very beautiful voice. But he was dictating, he was not reciting. So there is a difference between dictation and reciting. So I can't say that I can copy him because it, it will make no meaning. But anyway, I, and then, Mother for a long time never told me anything about Savitri. But one day, long time after, she spoke to me very, very strongly. Mother always spoke to me in a stern voice. She never mollycoddled me. I was never a... Uh, she never spoke to me a Mapati. She never called, as she calls her, Satya Mapati, Mapati. Mother never called me once. She spoke to me strong and I liked that. She said, Udar, 
Savitri is a mantra for the transformation of the world. And I want you to make Savitri your life. That's all. And from that day, I got involved in Savitri, completely involved in I am completely involved in Savitri. So I'm coming here as part of my life and to talk to you about Savitri. Now, the first thing uh, I would suggest as we start, I, I've, got, I've made a program, I don't know how far I'll be able to follow it, but we start with the very early part of Savitri, where Sri Aurobindo gives the whole an idea of what is going to come. <coughs> he starts this, Thus will the masked transcendent mount his throne. When darkness deepens, strangling the earth's breast, and man's corporeal mind is the only lamp, as a thief's in the night shall be the covered tread of one who steps unseen into his house. A voice ill heard shall speak, the soul obey. A power into mind's inner chamber steal. A charm and sweetness open life's closed doors and beauty conquer a resisting world. The truth light capture nature by surprise. A stealth of God compels the heart to bliss and earth grow unexpectedly divine. In matter shall be lit the spirit's glow, in body and body kindle the sacred birth. Night shall awake to the anthem of the stars. The days become a happy pilgrim march, our will a force of the eternal's power, and thoughts the rays of a spiritual sun. A few shall see what none yet understands. God shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep. For man shall not know the coming till its hour, and belief shall be not till the work is done. Yeah. Now, there are some uh, passages that are... Um, after that, Sri goes through the Savitri, and he does his, his Raja Yoga. He calls it the Yoga of the King. The yoga of the king has two meanings here, because it is supposed to be the yoga of King Ashwapati. Now, in Savitri, Sri calls it a legend and a symbol. Sri himself is symbolized in King Ashwapati, the father of Savitri, as Sri himself. But he talks of him in the third person. And Savitri is mother. So, these two things you must keep in mind. When you talk of Savitri, you talk of the mother. When you talk of Ashok, King Ashwapati, it's Sri himself. And um, I, I asked mother one day, Mother, how will Sri come back? Will he be born? I can't imagine Sri coming as a baby. I told mother, she said, no, he will not be born. He will not come as a baby. He will come ready-made, projected into the world. Ready-made, complete being that will remain like that. It will not grow older. It will remain constantly the same being. So, and in Savitri, there are these lines. In the, in the book called The Book of the Spirit and the New Creation, these words are there. 
in these new worlds projected he became a portion of the universal gaze, a station of the all-inhabiting light, a, a, a ripple on a single sea of peace. So that's confirmed in Savitri and Savitri will come back in a quite a different way. Mother called it the supramental way. And Mother herself, she said, if I leave my body, I will also come back in a supramental way. And that is given in one of the passages later, as I will say, a seed was sown in death's tremendous hour, a branch of heaven transplant to human soil. Nature shall overleap her mortal step, fate shall be changed by an unchanging will. These two things I tell you. Now there is another bit of passage that I like to say, because Mother told me if Sirabindu became an avatar, of course you may know, you may not know that. He was not born an avatar, he became an avatar. There are some avatars who were born and some who became. Jesus Christ and Krishna, they were born avatars. Buddha and other people, they became avatars. And the becoming of the avatar, Mother said, is a very, very tremendous physical strain. Mother said, it's impossible to realize how much Sri suffered physically to pass through that stage of all the recalcitrant parts of our being, he has to overcome and go. And he writes, he calls it anguish. He says, in anguish we labor that from us may rise a larger seeing man with nobler hearts, a golden vessel of the incarnate truth, the executor of the divine attempts, equipped to wear the earthly body of God, communicant and prophet and lover and king. This is coming the other now we go through where Sivinda went through the whole of the Raja Yoga and he came to the final, the final goal of all yogas. The final goal of yoga is what they call moksha. Moksha is when you realize the self of your being, a self, and when you realize the self, the self and the divine are same, so it's emerging, the union of the divine of the self. And that, and that is the end of all endeavor. Once you come to God, you see, you don't need to go anymore. And up to now, that has been the goal of all. I would even say even true religions have the goal of going to God. And once you go to God, you don't need anything else. And up to now, that has been the accepted goal. It's only for the first time in the history of the world, somebody has said, it is not enough. And that is Sri Aurobindo. It is not enough to go to God. You must bring that God down here on this earth and make him work here, not there up in heaven. This is Shabana, that's what I like about him. I really wonderful. You must bring God and make him work here, not go to some heaven. And he calls that an escape. And these are the lines. Also, it is too early to rejoice. Thou hast reached the boundless silence of the self. Thou hast leaped into a glad divine abyss, but where hast thou thrown self's mission and self's power? On what dead bank on the eternal's road? One was within thee who was self and world. 
What hast thou done for his purpose in the stars? Escape, bring not the victory and the crown. Something thou camest to do from the unknown. But nothing is finished and the world goes on, because only half God's cosmic work is done. Only the everlasting no has neared and stared into thy eyes and killed thy heart. But where is the lover's everlasting yes and immortality in the secret heart, the voice that chants to the creator fire, the symbol ohm, the great assenting word, the bridge between the rapture and the calm, the passion and the beauty of the bride, this chamber where the glorious enemies kiss, the smile that saves the golden peak of things, this too is truth at the mystic fount of life. A black veil has been lifted, we have seen the mighty shadow of the omniscient Lord. But who has lifted up the veil of light? And who has seen the body of the king? This is what he wants to know, the body of the king. So, and that's why I say this is the first time in the history of the world that somebody has said going to God is not enough. And I, and for that reason, you must understand, this is some yoga that is not at all like other yoga. Many people, even in the ashram, don't realize it. They think he's a great yogi, he's a Maharishi, he's a great yogi, they come to him for blessings and all that. Well, you can go to so many yogis and get blessings from them. But human is something completely different. And the mother, if she gives you blessings, I'll come to that. That's another good point for the mother and her blessing. Well, I give it for them. Now we come to... <coughs> uh, I've got a list, I mean, I won't. I can't even read the list. <laughs> <laughs> we come to Shubhendu's doing, he's doing the yoga and he writes about himself in the third person. He calls himself the son of strength. O son of strength who climbest creation's peaks, no soul is thy companion in the lights. Alone thou standest at the eternal doors. What thou hast won is thine, but ask no more. O spirit aspiring in an ignorant frame, O voice arisen from the inconscient world, how shall thou speak for men whose hearts are dumb? Make purblind earth the soul's seer vision's home, or lighten the burden of the senseless globe? I am the mystery beyond reach of mine. I am the goal of the travail of the suns. My fire and sweetness are the cause of life, but too immense my danger and my joy. Awake not the immeasurable descent. Speak not my secret name to hostile time. Man is too weak to bear the infinite weight. Truth born too soon may break the imperfect earth. Leave the all-seeing power to hew its way. In thy single vast achievement, reign apart, helping the world with thy great lonely name.
I tell you this great lonely day is something that touches me very well. Because I used to be working in Sirvani room as I told you. And I used to be seeing him. Of course, sometimes he would be dictating Savitri, but other times he would just be sitting there looking into eternity. Just like that. And that word, the great lonely days. It brings me back a picture of Sri just sitting and looking. Uh, <coughs> nothing, there's not a movement, nothing, and I'm a wonderful sight. And there is a line, another line in Savitri. Lonely his days and splendid like the sun. That is the picture of Sri to me. Well, now we come to this question of how man came on earth. Of course, the, the scientists, they say man evolved out of the ape. Sri does not accept that. The ape certainly went to a certain extent, but there was no change from ape to man. Man came completely differently. And he, he described it here. A lightning from the heights that think and plan, <coughs> plowing the air of life with vanishing trails. Man, so awake in the inconscient world, aspires in vain to change the cosmic dream. Arrive from some half luminous beyond. He is a stranger in the mindless vast, a traveler in his off-shifting home. Amid the tread of many infinitudes, he has pitched a tent of life in desert space. Heaven's fixed regard beholds him from above. In the house of nature, a perturbing guest, a voyager to thoughts and constant shores, a voyager to unknown and beautiful powers, a nomad of the far mysterious light, in the wild ways, a little spark of God. That is man. Completely, completely different, completely come down. He has not come from the ape. So these are the things that you must understand from Savitri. All these things are given in Savitri. <coughs> then we come to... Uh, <laughs> oh yes, you, then we come to the end of that son of strength. Adept, this is the end of, it's a very long, so I can't give you the whole long thing because it's too much. I have to cut short the person. Adept, of the half adept of the self-seeing unfading line, let not the light to die the ages bore, help still humanity's bound and suffering life, obey thy spirit's wide omnipotent urge. A witness from the heights that think and plan, plowing the air of life with vanishing trails, it leans compassionate from eternal calm and soul desire the troubled seed of things. Ascend to thy high self, create, endure. Cease not from knowledge, let thy toil be vast. No more in earthly limits bend thy force. Equal thy work with long unending times. Traveler upon the bare eternal heights, tread still the difficult and dateless path. Oh, joining the circles with its austere curve measured for man by the initial gods. My light shall be in thee, 
my strength thy force. Let not the impatient titan drive thy heart. Ask not the imperfect fruit, the partial prize. Only one boon to greaten thy spirit demand. Only one joy to raise thy kind desire. Above blind fate and the antagonist powers, moveless there stands a high, unchanging will. To its omnipotence leave thy world's results. All things shall change in God's transfiguring hour. Now, there is one very important line here that I want you to listen. Only one boon to greaten thy spirit demand. The mother told me, she said, people come and ask me for blessings, for so many things. They want to pass their examination, they want to get a job, they're going on a journey, they're doing this, they're doing that. For so many things, they come and ask my blessings. But I give blessings for only one thing. I give a blessing but only for one thing. And that is for the growth of the spirit. To grow, to, to greaten that spirit demand. That's the only thing that interests me in anybody is the growth of the spirit. And she says, sometimes it's a bit dangerous to ask blessing for a marriage. <laughs> she says, sometimes my marriage can break up a marriage. My blessing can break up a marriage. So mother, be careful when you ask me for blessing for marriage. <laughs> Mother has got a good sense of humor here, both Subin and the mother. The next thing I'll tell you is when Subin makes a complaint to the divine. How shall I rest content with earthly days and the dull measure of terrestrial life? I who have seen behind the cosmic veil the glory and the beauty of thy face, hard is the doom to which thou binds thy sons. How long shall our spirits battle with the nights and bear defeat and the brute yoke of death? We who are vessels of a deathless force and builders of the Godhead of the race, or if it is thy work I do below, amid the error and waste of human life, in the vague light of man's half-conscious mind, why breaks not in some distant gleam of thee? Ever the centuries and millenniums pass, where in the grayness is thy coming's ray? Where is the thunder of thy victory's wings? Only we hear the feet of passing gods. That's all. Very, very silent. All come and they say, and go. Krishna came, Christ came, Jesus came, oh, everybody came and they say sometimes and they go away. Nobody stays on forever. And Suvindas come and mothers come and they've gone. We want somebody who can come and stay here. That's what we need. So this is the cry. And then, be the answer. Oh, strong forerunner, I have heard thy cry. One shall descend and break the iron law, change nature's doom by the lone spirit's power. <coughs> a limitless mind that can contain the world, a sweet and violent heart of ardent calms, 
Moved by the passions of the gods shall come. All mights and greatnesses shall join in her. Beauty shall walk celestial on the earth. Delight shall sleep in the cloud nest of her hair and in her body as on its homing tree immortal love shall beat his glorious wings a music of griefless charms shall weave her charms a music of griefless things shall weave her charms the harps of the perfect shall attune her voice her lips shall be the honeycombs of God, her limbs his golden jars of ecstasy, her breasts the rapture flowers of paradise. She shall bear wisdom in her voiceless bosom. Strength shall be with her like a conqueror's sword, and from her eyes the eternal's bliss shall blaze. A seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour, a branch of heaven transplant to human soil. Nature shall overleap her mortal step, fate shall be changed by an unchanging will. That's that. Oh yes, yes this, is, this is very important. Overpowered were the legend formulas of the minds. Overpassed were the legend formulas of the minds. Overpowered the obstacles of mortal space. The unfolding image showed the things to come. A giant dance of Shiva tore the past. There was a thunder as of worlds that fall. Earth was overrun with fire and the roar of death clamoring to slay a world his hunger had made. There was a thunder of destruction's wings. The titan's battle cry was in my ears. Alarm and rumor shook the armored lights. I saw the omnipotent flaming pioneers over the heavenly verge which turns towards life come crowding down the amber stairs of birth. Forerunners of a divine multitude out of the paths of the morning star they came into the little room of mortal life. I saw them cross the twilight of an age, the sun-eyed children of a marvelous dawn, the great creators with wide brows of calm, the massive barrier breakers of the world, and wrestlers with destiny in the wrists of will, the laborers in the quarries of the gods, the messengers of the incommunicable, the architects of immortality. Into the fallen human sphere they came, faces that wore the immortal's glory still, voices that commune still with the voice of God, bodies made beautiful by the spirit's light, carrying the magic word, the mystic fire, carrying the Dionysian cup of joy, approaching eyes of a diviner man, 
lifts chanting an unknown anthem of the soul, feet echoing in the corridors of time. High priests of wisdom, sweetness, might and bliss, discoverers of beauty, sunlit ways, and swimmers of love's laughing, fiery floods, and dancers within rapture's golden doors. Their tread one day shall change the suffering earth and justify the light on nature's face. How, how, how much do we really appreciate the light that we have, especially in this country of India? What a beautiful light we get, we take it for granted. What have we done to deserve that wonderful gift? Has anybody ever stopped to think of it? And so these people are going to justify the light that comes to us. These are the people, Mother told me, there are thousands of people who have greatly evolved souls, who have deliberately stopped from coming down and taking birth. They are waiting for the time to come down. And now they have started coming down, she told me. So that's why I gave you this message, because these great souls are beginning to come. And I've had some, Mother asked me to inform certain people, I've had some results. I can't say it. I've had very wonderful things, but there are some indications of it. But the more important thing is to know what Mother has said in some way. Now I'll come to O living power of the incarnate world, all that the spirit has dreamed, thou canst create. Now I'll come to O living power of the incarnate world, all that the spirit has dreamed, thou canst create. Thou art the force by which I built the worlds. Thou art my vision and my will and voice. But knowledge too is thine. The world plans thou knowest and the tardy process of the pace of time. In the impetuous drive of thy heart of flame, in thy passion to deliver man and earth, indignant at the impediments of time and the slow evolution's sluggard steps, lead not the spirit in an ignorant world to dare too soon the adventure of the light, pushing the bound and slumbering God in man, awakened mid the ineffable silences into endless vistas of the unknown and unseen, across the last confines of limiting mind and the superconscious perilous borderline into the danger of the infinite. But if thou wilt not wait for time and God, do then thy work and force thy will on fate. As I have taken from thee my load of night, and taken from thee my twilight's doubts and dreams, so now I take my light of utter day. These are my symbol kingdoms, but not here can the great choice be made that alters fate or utters the sanction of the voice supreme. 
arise upon a ladder of greater worlds to the infinity where no world can be, but not in the wide air where a greater life unfolds its mystery and its miracle, and not on the luminous peak of summit mind or in the hold where subtle matter spirit shines in its light of shimmering secrecies, can there be heard the eternal firm commands that joins the head of destiny to its base. Who are the powers that hold the ends of time? Spirit foresees, matter unfolds its thought. The dumb executor of God's decrees, omitting no iota and no dust, Agent and questioning, inconscient stark, evolving inevitably a charge content, intention of its work in space and time, in, in animal beings and in, in animate things, immutably it fulfills its ordered task. It cancels not a title of things done. Unswerving from the oracular command, it alters not the steps of the unseen. If thou must indeed deliver man and earth on the spiritual heights, look down on life, discover the truth of God and man and world, then do thy task knowing and seeing all. Ascend, O soul, into thy timeless self, Choose destiny's curve and stamp thy will on time. Now I come to the last piece, which is the... As I told you, Mother said, Savitri is a transformation of the world. But there is one portion of Savitri that has the most power for this work. For this work. In the first place, in the first place when we say mantra, what is mantra? We know, some of us know what is mantra because some idea. But it would be good to hear what Sivamana himself says about mantra in Savitri. He describes mantra very beautifully. As when the mantra sinks in yoga's ear, its message enters, stirring the blind brain and keeps in the dim ignorant cells its sound. The hearer understands the form of words and musing on the index thought it holds, he strives to read it with his laboring mind, but finds bright hints, not the embodied truth. Then falling silent in himself to know, he meets the deeper listening of the soul. The word repeats itself in rhythmic strains. Thought, vision, feeling, sense, the body self are seized unutterably, and he endures an ecstasy and an immortal change. He feels a wideness and becomes a power. All knowledge rushes on him like a sea. Transmuted by the white spiritual ray, he moves in naked heavens of joy and calm, sees the God face and hears transcendent speech. <coughs> this is Shirobhani's description of mantra. 
you can hear what a beautiful description he has, beautiful description he gives. But mother, but mother, she's down to earth. She's very practical. I can tell you, mother, very very practical in everything she does. She has got another aspect of mantra, which I will tell you. One day, when we were having a very very serious doubt situation in Pondicherry, long time back. And we had no rain for I don't know how long, and everything was hot and sticky. So after a game of tennis, I asked the mother, I said, Mother, can't you bring us some rain? Mother said, you want rain? I said, Mother, we haven't had rain for months and months. Oh, Mother said, I didn't know. I said, all right. She said, come, we go. So we went to the playground. She brought a stick, and she made a kind of occult pattern she drew on the ground. And the playground was not yet open to all of us, but there were six of us there. So she said, I want six of you to link your hands and to walk around the symbol and to recite a mantra. I asked Mother, what mantra? Mother did have a mother said, it doesn't matter what the mantra is, but it must be given to you by your guru. I give you a mantra. We want rain, give us rain. <laughs> Very simple mantra. Mother doesn't go all on the heights. So we went, we want rain, give us rain, and within half an hour we got rain. The mantra worked. <laughs> I don't know where the clouds came from. All oh, the clouds came and the rain came. And it actually worked. So that's the view of mantra. And then there's another point, about a few months, a few years back, again there was another very bad, after mother had left, of course, a bad drought situation in South India. And the government tried everything, they didn't succeed. So they thought also of the mantra. So they arranged a very big yagna, a kind of a sacrifice on the on the bed of a dry lake. They called all the Shankaracharyas and all around and they lit a big fire and they had big puja and they recited all kinds of mantras for three days and nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened, no way, nothing came. Why? The question is why didn't they come? Those people, they know what are the good mantras. But there we come to the point that Mother said. The mantra must be given to you by your guru. That is the most important point of mantra. And for me, Mother has given me the mantra of Savitri. So if anything is going to work, I've got to work it out. I, that's part of my job, I don't know. I'm telling you this because that's why I say that's why I've entered. I'm not a poet, I'm nothing, but Mother has made me take up the Savitri and so I'm telling all these things. And I've come here to share that with you. And I'm happy to hear you all listening. Can you understand what I say clearly? Is my English all right? <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't hear myself. But anyway, I come to the last thing now. I start with when Savitri makes a prayer to the Divine, to the Lord. Thy embrace which rends the living not of pain, thy joy, O Lord, in which all creatures breathe, thy magic flowing waters of deep love, thy sweetness, give to me for earth and men. <laughs> then after silence, a still blissful cry began such as arose from the infinites when the first whisperings of a strange delight imagined in its deep the joy to seek 
the passion to discover and to touch the enamored laugh which rhymes the chanting words. Oh, beautiful body of the incarnate world, thy thoughts are mine, I have spoken with thy voice. Thy will is mine, what thou hast chosen, I choose. All the harassed I give to earth and men, all shall be written out in destiny's book by my trustee of thought and plan and act, the executor of my will, eternal time. But since thou hast refused my nameless calm and turned from my termless peace in which is expunged the visage of space and the shape of time is lost and from happy extinction of thy separate self in my uncompanioned lone eternity, for not for thee the nameless, wordless note annihilation of thy living soul and the end of thought and hope and life and love in the blank measureless unknowable. I lay my hands upon thy soul of flame. I lay my hands upon thy heart of love. I yoke thee to my power of work in time. Because thou hast obeyed my timeless will, because thou hast chosen to share earth's struggle and fate, and leaned in pity over earth-bound men, and turned aside to help and yearn to save, I bind by thy heart's passion, thy heart to mine, and lay my splendid yoke upon thy soul. Now will I do in thee my marvellous works. I will fasten thy nature with my cords of strength, subdue to my delight thy spirit's limbs, and make thee a vivid knot of all my bliss, and build in thee my proud and crystal home. Thy days shall be my shaft of power and light, thy nights my starry mysteries of joy, and all my clouds lie tangled in thy hair, and all my springtides marry in thy mouth. O sunward, thou shalt raise the earth's soul to light, and bring down God into the lives of men. Earth shall be my work chamber and my house, my garden of life to plant a seed divine. When all thy work in human time is done, the mind of earth shall be a home of light, the life of earth a tree growing towards heaven, the body of earth a tabernacle of God. Awaken from the mortal ignorance, men shall be lit with the eternal's ray, and the glory of my sun lift in their thoughts, and feel in their hearts the sweetness of my love, and in their acts my power's miraculous drive. <coughs> My will shall be the meaning of their days, living for me, 
by me, in me they shall live. In the heart of my creation mystery, I will enact the drama of thy soul. Inscribe the long romance of thee and me. I will pursue thee across the centuries. Thou shalt be hunted through the world by love. Naked of ignorance protecting waves, and without covered from my radiant gods, no shape shall screen thee from my made one with all nature and with self and God, summing in thy single soul my mystic world, I will possess in thee my universe. My universe find all I am in thee. Thou shalt bear all things that all things may change. Thou shalt fill all with my splendor and my bliss. Thou shalt meet all with my with thy transmuting soul. Assail by my infinitudes above and quivering in immensities below. Pursued by me through my mind's wallless vast. Oceanic with the surges of my life, a swimmer lost between two leaping seas by my outer pains and inner sweetnesses, finding my joy in my opposite mysteries, thou shalt respond to me from every nerve. <coughs> A vision shall compel thy coursing breath. Thy heart shall drive thee on the wheel of works. Thy mind shall urge thee through the core of flames. Thou shalt know me in the rolling of the spheres and cross me in the atoms of the world. The wheeling forces of the universe shall cry to thee the summons of my name. Delight shall drop down from my nectarous moon. My fragrance sees thee in the jasmine snare. My eyes shall look upon thee from the sun. Mirror of nature's secret spirit made, thou shalt reflect my hidden heart of joy. Thou shalt drink down my beauty unalloyed in my pure lotus cup of starry brim. My dreadful hands laid on thy bosom shall force thy being bathed in fiercest longing streams. Thou shalt discover the one and quivering note and cry, the harp of all my melodies and roll my foaming wave in seas of love. Even my disastrous clutch shall be to thee the ordeal of my rapture's contrary shape. In pain self shall smile on thee my secret face. <coughs> Thou shalt bear my ruthless beauty unabridged amidst the world's intolerable wrongs. Trampled by the violent misdeeds of time, cry out to the ecstasy of my rapture touch.
all beings shall be to thee my emissaries drawn to me on the bosom of thy friends compelled to meet me in my in the enemy's eyes my creatures shall demand me from thy heart Thou shalt not shrink from any brother's soul. Thou shalt be attracted helplessly to all. Men seeing thee shall feel my hands of joy. In sorrow's pangs feel steps of the world's delights. Their life of experience is tumultuous shock in the mutual craving of two opposites. Hearts touched. by thy love shall answer to my call discover the ancient music of the spheres in the revealing accents of thy voice and near draw to me because thou art enamored of thy spirit's loveliness they shall embrace my body in thy soul here in thy life the beauty of my laugh know the thrill bliss with which i made the world all that thou hast shall be for others bliss all that thou art shall to my hands belong i will pour delight from thee as from a jar i will whirl thee as my chariot through the waves i will use thee as my sword and as my lyre i will play on thee my minstrel seas of foam and when thou art vibrant with all ecstasy and when thou livest one spirit with all things then will i spare thee not my living fires but make the a channel for my timeless force my hidden presence led thee unknowing on from thy beginning in earth's voiceless bosom through life and pain and time and will and death through outer shocks and inner silences along the mystic roads of space and time to the experience which all nature hides who hunts and seizes me my captive grows this shalt thou henceforth learn from thy heart beats forever love O beautiful slave of God, O lasso of my rapture's widening noose, become my cord of universal love. The spirit ensnared by thee, forced the delight of creation's oneness, sweet and fathomless, compelled to embrace my myriad unities and all my endless forms and divine souls. O mine, grow full of the eternal peace. O world, cry out the immortal litany. Bid us the golden shower, the flame child born. About the mother, yes. I said, how the mother will come back. I gave you that. A seed shall be sown in death's tremendous hour. But that mother has passed through that hour. 
a seed had been sown where? Not on earth, in heaven. I'm explaining you. Yes, a please. seed shall be sown in heaven, not on earth. It, from that seed they will grow a tree. From that tree they will cut a branch and bring it ready-made. <laughs> a branch from heaven transplanted in a woman's soil. So you, normally you have to put a seed in earth and yes. it grows and become yes. a man. Yes. Yes. But this seed will be in heaven, a tree will ready cut the branch and put it on earth beside. That's what, it's a poetic way yes. of saying that mother will come ready prepared. Not Luxury or window. Huh? Luxury or window. Both Sri and yes. the mother. Yes. Sri as I gave you, yes. in these yes. new worlds yes. projected, it became a portion of the universal yes. gaze, a station of the all inhabiting light, yes. a ripple on a single sea of peace. This is the house of the spirit and the new creation. He says very clearly he'll come into the new creation projected. Yes. That's Sri Aurobindo. And for mother I gave her the thing. Both, both of them will come back. But I tell you, I asked mother, I'll tell you something before, actually I might go, but any case you can hear that. You see, Sri Aurobindo expected to have unlooked people follow him. Great nymphalips of the ecstasy and the blade, all kinds of people. But I look around, I can't find anybody. <laughs> what wonderful thing he told us. I look to see where I can find anybody coming anywhere near that. I can't find him. So I asked the mother, I said, Mother, she opened his book and said, Wonderful people coming. I said, I can't. Can you show me one? She, the French gesture. She made fast way, comes up. So, Mother can't find, I can't find. Who's going to do the work? I'm a very practical man, no? I, I don't believe in the seventh heaven. Yeah. I come down to earth, and mother knows that. Yes. I asked her, who's going to do the work? Yes. She kept quiet. I said, mother, you have to come and do it yourself. I fight with her. I'm not a quiet man, I'm a man to fight. And she likes that. Yes. Anyway, so I asked her to come. Then I told her, I said, mother, you will come back in a new form, in a supplementary form. But God knows when that will happen, I don't know. This is far away. But in the meantime, we need you here where it was in a terrible condition. Yes, yes. I said, we need you here. Will you come? I asked her. He said, if I'm called. Ah. I said, Mother, I'm ready to call you anytime. She said, yes, well, I know you're always there waiting to call me. But, Humanity must come. She put conditions. It must be at the right time and the right place. Now, I understand that. If mother comes down, it must be made in such a way that nobody can deny. If you call her here and these few people say, they say, oh, these horrible people are mad. If somebody come, they call her the mother. That's what people will say. It must come, the whole world must know mother coming down. That must be a complete room. So at that moment, I'm ready to call her. And mother has told me, you call me, I'll come. I'm waiting to call her. She asked me to call her. So are you going to call her? Huh? Are you going to call her? I'm going to be waiting for the time. Ah, the time come, I'm her. waiting for the coming. Nobody can, I can't find him. I thought I may do call her today. I thought it may happen because that's the last world. Built in the golden tower, the flame child ball. That's the last world of the mantra. And on that word, she must uh, respond. She didn't respond to me. Mm. I don't know, may she come? I have no idea when she comes. But that's our dream with Savitri Tell me what you mean, I can't hear. Come closer. So our dream with Savitri Bhavan, that there would be such an atmosphere and such a 
Yes, such a receptivity. But I, I told very yeah. special can come. No? But I thought I'll bring it down to the. <laughs> Perhaps something. <laughs> Just before come. your birthday. Perhaps I try, my dear. Girl. Listen, <laughs> I can't do. I can only try. <laughs> Whenever I go, I call mother. She comes, she comes. Then we come, come, come. We will wait. We can't be ready yet. Well, anyway, I don't know. I have come. I did what I could. I think I couldn't do any more than that. And I'm happy. When I research everything, I'm very happy. I don't need anything. I don't need any thanks. I don't need any gifts. I don't need anything. You give me enough happiness to be able to research everything. That's all. Cold water. I gave mother. I gave mother a birth. Cold water is the best of drinks. So the temperance poets sing. But who am I that I should have this very best of things? <laughs> Let princes revel at the brooks, and dukes enjoy their cup of tea. But whiskey, wine, or even beer is good enough for me. <laughs> Oh, mother gave me a bang on the head. She told me to give me a bang. There. Bang! I just said, Mother, she always hit me on the head. Oh, I tell you one good thing I told her, which she enjoyed very much. She gave me three bangs on the head, which she enjoyed. Eat more fruit. Eat more fruit. Don't eat mutton. Don't eat lamb. Don't eat beef. And don't eat ham. And then you'll find you live to ninety-nine. What did Eve say to Adam? That naughty little madam. Oh, Adam, you must eat more fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Mother gave me such a bag of the head. <laughs> Mother, what can you do? <laughs> oh, we had lots of fun, uh, Mother. I'll tell you one thing Mother told me. She said when she was in France as a little girl, she had heard that India is a land of storytellers. There used to be people going around from village to village telling stories of Mahabharata, Ramayana and all that in the olden days. And her reputation had gone to Europe. And Mother said, I like stories very much. I always had a great wish to come to India to hear stories. But when I finally came here, I found nothing. There was nobody to tell me any story. I was wondering, why? How India got such a reputation? But then, after I met you, then I understood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mother gave me a big compliment. I can tell you. Okay. Bye.